Well, I must tell you, it's, uh, it's rather honoring and humbling to be asked to speak to you guys tonight. And, and I tell you, I'll, I'll be very honest with you. Ed called me a few weeks ago, and I learned something about Ed in our conversation. He said, he said uh, Terry, how about you preaching one Wednesday night? And I'll be honest, I laughed at him. I said, Ed, I'm not your man. Well, after 45 minutes of me saying no, I, I came to the conclusion and understanding that Ed could sell air conditioners to Eskimos. There's no doubt in my mind. But, but I hope you understand tonight that but by no means am, am I a trained theologian. By no means am I a preacher of any sort. So I would ask tonight that, that you would, that you would keep, keep me in your heart tonight as, as I try to speak to you and share kind of what God's laid on my heart, not only as an individual, but as a member of Eastwood Baptist Church, as, as we think about some of the things the church is going through now, and that's, that's kind of where we're at. So I'd ask that you'd pray with me if you would. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, Lord. Lord, I, I thank you for this opportunity to speak to my brothers and sisters in Christ tonight. And Lord, I just pray that all that I might say and all that I might do might not get in the way of, of the message that you have desired and planned to be said tonight, Father. And that when all this is said and done, Father, that it would always honor and glorify you to the utmost and the highest. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. So... <clears throat> Those of you who know me know that um, any time in our Sunday school class when we talk about livestock, Ed has me teach. Ernie has, Terry, you teach about this. Because for the last 33 years, I have served, uh, one of the things that I do as a job is I'm a professional livestock judge. I travel all over the United States judging livestock. And in doing that, um, I've had the opportunity to not only evaluate your typical farm animals, cattle, hogs, sheep, and goats, I've gotten to judge river yak, um, water buffalo, uh, llamas. At the Alaska State Fair, I judged reindeers. So I'm well-versed in a multitude of, and I have a friend who just bought a zebra that I'm trying to figure out how to evaluate. But one of the most unique animals that, that I have had the opportunity to judge is a special kind of goat. So Janice, this is for you, my friend. If you guys would run that video real quick. Take a look.
<laughs> okay. You can just imagine when I sent that video to Dana, probably what he thought when I showed when he's looked at it. But that particular breed of goats are called myotonic goats. In other words, some people call them fainting goats, but they don't actually faint. They, they have a recessive gene situation in their body that causes them to have immediate lactic acid build up in their muscles, and they fall over. Now you say, Terry, what's that got to do with Wednesday night point service? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what this has to do with church. I, those animals do that when they experience difficulty, when they experience stress, when they experience change in their life. And so I think it's unique how God uses His creation, His animals, to kind of show us sometimes as Christians what we do when we face difficulties in life, when we face challenges, when we face stressful situations, how often do we do that? How often do we faint away? How often do we stress and kind of give up when we face those situations? And so that's kind of what I want to talk to you about tonight, is how not to be a fainting goat. If you've got your Bible with you, I'd ask you to open it up to the book of Isaiah in chapter 40, if you would. Isaiah chapter 40, we're going to start at verse 28. But I want to give you some background about what Isaiah was doing at this particular time in the Bible. Because I think it's important to understand what the people of Judah had gone through up until this point in the Bible. You see, the prophecy of Isaiah was during a very dark time in the nation of Judah. God had delivered those people from the Assyrian army decades before, but yet Judah continued to live in sin. Isaiah had prophesied, and it was now happening that Babylon would come and destroy not only their land, but also take everything of value and beauty that the people of Judah had. But yet, the people of Judah, their sins were many. They were involved in idol worship. They were involved in tremendous immorality. And obviously, God had passed judgment on those people. But I think in the particular passage we're going to read tonight, God was telling them that they had sinned by trusting in their own strength and in their own power, in their own political alliances, instead of trusting in God. Out of the darkest time in the life of Judah, God's word came as a message to the people of Judah through the prophet Isaiah. So I ask you to open up to Isaiah 40. We're going to start at verse 28, read through 31. I'd ask you to stand and join me in standing as we read God's word. Starting at verse 28, it says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Yahweh is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never grows faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. He gives strength to the weary and strengthens the powerless. Youths may faint and grow weary, and young men may stumble and fall. 
But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. You know, as I think about, think about people in the Bible who experience trials and tribulations and difficult things, I can't help but think of the story of Job. You know, Job was, was a unique individual in the Bible, and I love reading the story of Job and everything that he went through. It says that, that at that time, you know, Job was, was considered the greatest of all men living in the East at that time. Job had 7,000 sheep, he had 500 yoke of oxen, he had 500 female donkeys, he had 3,000 camels, he had numbers and numbers of slaves serving him. But we know that something happened, something changed in Job's life. Lightning struck and burned all the sheep. All his other animals were stolen. We know that his family was killed with the collapse of the house. Job lost everything. Everything. But what did Job do? He never blamed God. He never blamed God through that whole situation. And then personally, Job experienced some trials of his own said Job's skin was covered with boils from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. said he sat in ashes and took broken pieces of pottery and scraped his skin because of the pain that Job suffered. His wife, bless her heart, told Job to curse God and die. His friends told him, obviously, your sin has caused this. But what did Job do? Sure, just like you and I, Job questioned why. Why me? But he never blamed God. He never sinned to God over this situation. And we know the ending of the story. We know that at the end, all those things that he lost were returned to him multifold. But I, but I think the story of Job's really, really important because the stress that he was under, the difficulty that he faced, he still kept his faith in God. He still believed. You know, you and I may be facing similar situations. Maybe we haven't lost everything. Maybe we don't have boils from head to toe. But yet we face trials in our lives. We face difficulties. I know we do. I know we do. But it's important that we never forget who's the one that's in control. Who, who is the one that we can turn to with that situation and how he rewards in the end. How he restores us back to wholeness in the end. And that's what happened with Job. I think the passage we read tonight in Isaiah, it kind of brings up three primary areas we need to concentrate on. The first one is God's promises to you and I 
in difficult situations. You know, I think as we look at that, you know, God never promised. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God promises that we won't face difficult times. It doesn't say that. Whoever tells you or tries to tell you that it says that, they're misleading you. But what does it say? It says God will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. So when we're sitting in the ash heap, scraping with broken shards of pottery, he's there beside us. What, what a great thing to know that. He's always there beside us. Said he promises to supply our every need. Isn't that great? That whatever our need is, he promises to supply that. Now, be a little bit careful here. That doesn't mean just because somebody wants one of those new Corvettes that he's going to provide that. It's not prosperity theology. What it means is that if we have God in our heart and we have his will and his desire and his word in our heart, what we desire, what we need, that's what he provides. And that's important. You know, it, David states in Psalm 55, 22, cast our every burden upon the Lord and he will sustain us. But I want you to think for just a moment tonight. Cast your every burden on Him. Do we do that? Do we truly lay everything that weighs on our heart at God's feet? Sometimes we think it's too little. Doesn't matter. It's too little. It's too inconsequential for me to lay this at my God's feet not what it says how many times do we think that maybe something big we've done is too big for God or we don't tell him and we don't take it to him because we think we're hiding it from him we've all been there we've all been there I've been there so I know we have to be very careful that we truly understand what we're doing Scripture tells us to lay our every burden. Yet, when we don't do that, what happens? We wind up in failure. We wind up in agony. We wind up in pain. We wind up flopping on our sides like those goats do because we don't give it all to Him. The second thing I think that passage, that scripture tells us, it talks about God's provision. And, th and that's so important for us. 1 John 5, 14 through 15 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, now catch that, according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked him of. But at the, part, the part people miss is, is it in God's will? 
Is it in God's will? Because when, when, when we have God's will in our heart, when we have His love and compassion in our heart, those things we ask for glorify Him, not us. Not us. And I can personally tell you that was a hard one for me. Still a hard one for me. But it's important to understand that as we go through life. That what we ask for, if it's in God's will, it's going to glorify our Lord and Savior. It's not going to glorify us in the end. John 15, 7 goes further to say that if, we, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But again, it's if his words are in us. It's very, very different than prosperity theology. Very, very different. God's Word tells us that He's our source of provision, our source of strength, our source of power, our source of everything that we need. But yet we have to go to Him. The unique thing about these two passages is that they have something very much in common. They require something on our part it's not just asking we have to be we have to be in communion with God we have to be in communion with our Lord and Savior so that we know his will for our lives and that we try to follow that path but it's so easy so easy to get off that path I know I've been off of it so many been off of it probably more than I've been on it but we have to try to keep those things in mind if we hope to, to fulfill and glorify our Lord and Savior in doing these things. The reality is, is that we can't do anything through our own power. And if you think you can, good luck to you. I can tell you when Alice and I went to China, I thought we were going over there to help those young people. And God slapped me in the face and said, that's not why you're here, son. He changed me there. He changed our lives. He changed our marriage. Changed everything about what we thought was important in life. And, and, and you begin to realize that when you can't speak the language and you don't have anyone to turn to but Him, when things get difficult, He provides every need. And I think that's so important. That's so important. You know, I, I know there are times each and every one of us in here have prayed and asked God for things in our lives, and we got no answer. Nothing. Nothing. But I think, I think the other thing I really learned in China was this. That, that when you ask God for something, you have to give it all to Him. All to Him. Because when we try to hold part of it for ourselves, and it turns out well, 
Who do we give the glory to? Who do we give the honor to when we think we had something to do with it? We give it to ourselves. That's just human nature. So when we give it all to God, when we give it all to Him, then He gets the glory and honor for everything. And I think lots of times when we ask for things, we have to keep in mind we've got to give it all to Him because He richly rewards those who lay it all at His feet. Lay your every burden at God's feet. And that's what matters. That's when he responds so that he gets the glory and honor and the praise that he so richly deserves. Matthew Henry in his commentary about this very passage said this. He said, God, he, he, God, who will help those who in humble dependence on him help themselves. Let us watch against unbelief Pride and self-confidence. Did you get those three? Unbelief, pride, and self-confidence. If we go forth in our own strength, we will faint and utterly fall. His words. Sound like the goats? Sounds just like the goats. So I think it's really important. The third point that, that this passage talks about is, is our hope, our hope in the Lord. Later, later in the book of Isaiah, obviously we find the Israelites were, were being held captive by Babylonia. Their land had been taken away. Their lives had been turned upside down. And Isaiah attempted to reassure them to expect God's help, to hope for what God was going to do for them. That God was going to rebuild their lives. He was going to rebuild their economy. He was going to bless their land. Renew their prosperity. But in the passage I read to you, that we read together, even though Israel had been discouraged, God had to remind them He was God. He was God. And He still is God. It's so important. It's so important. Verse 31 says, He is still in control. Those who place their trust in Him will find renewed strength. Any of you guys ever needed more strength? I know you have. I know you have. We all have been in that place. He's the one that provides strength. Verse 28, God never gets tired. God never grows weak. God never faints. And we can hold that as an assurance for when we have difficulties. Romans 8.31 says, If God is for us, who's against us? What a promise. What a promise that God's Word tells us that He's for us. So, how's this affect us today? Let's bring it back to Eastwood today. Let's bring it back to Wednesday night point service. How does all this affect us today? I know there are people sitting in the pews tonight that are facing difficult challenges. 
people in our Sunday school class suffering with cancer. It's people maybe looking at divorce, maybe looking at difficult situations in their lives, and they've got to make a choice. We as members of this Baptist church, Eastwood, we've got a little stress going on right now. We're in this interim period. What's going to happen? We don't know. We don't know. Will we find the next leader of this church this year? Two years? Who knows? Sure, it's stressful. It's difficult to know what's going to happen next. And if we find them, I know there's people sitting out here going, well, will they do the same things we used to do? Will we still do all that mission stuff? Will Dana still get to dance up here and sing? What's going to happen? But you know, it really doesn't matter. Because he's got a plan. He's got the plan. But when we stress and we worry about it and we fret over it, we wind up like Flopsy and Johnny up here, flat of our sides going, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's too much. But we've got to rely on God's Word to get us through this. You see, no matter what trials, what burdens, what struggles, what temptations, what stress we face, Jesus has already been there. He's been there. The Bible tells us he's been there. He's experienced it. He's overcome it. Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. Isn't that, isn't that rewarding? Doesn't that make you feel great about it? Sure, we're all concerned about what's going to happen with our family. But yet, he's got it under control. He's the one that's got everything figured out. We just have to follow his leadership and his guidance and his direction in this, and everything will be fine. A wise man once said, If you're in quicksand, do you want somebody in there with you? Or do you want somebody standing on the solid rock fixing to pull you out? I know who I want. I know who I want. And I know in the quicksand that we're in today as Eastwood Baptist Church, you know who's standing on the solid rock going to help us out? It's our Lord and Savior. But we have to rely on Him to pull us out of there. How do we do that? It's simple. we got to have faith. we got to believe. we got to seek His will and His desire and His passion for what He wants this church to be. When we do that, we'll be on the solid rock with Him. And that's what matters. That's what really matters in this thing. So, <clears throat> 1 Corinthians, Paul writes, 10-13, we must not forget that God has promised us we would never be tempted above what we're able to bear. But with every temptation, every trial, every test, every trouble, he'll make a way of escape. That's where we're at. That's where we stand tonight. Maybe some folks say, oh, 
I don't know. I don't know. He's got it. And we have to hold that in our hearts with all the faith and all the passion and all the care and all the compassion we can find knowing that he's got it under control. And that's what really matters. You know, no matter what the plight is in your life tonight, I ask you to not be like these fainting goats. Whatever stress you're encountering, whatever you're experiencing in your life, don't let it cause you to flop over and give up. You've got to remain strong. Joshua 1.9 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I find a lot, a lot of peace in that statement. He's with me wherever I go. And that's really, really important. You know, tonight, uh, as I think about where each of us are and, and, and where, our, where our church home's at, sure, we face a lot of these situations. But, but I think the thing we have to remember when it's all said and done, when it's all said and done, we've got to seek His will. We've got to respect the fact that He has a plan. He has a plan to provide. He has a plan for a direction. And we as a church... Not our leadership. As a church, we have to seek that will. We've got to be in prayer. We've got to have faith that, that He will show us that plan. That He will show us this next person to lead this church. And when we do that, then we glorify Him. Because we recognize and we allow Him to lead our church. And that's really all that matters. It doesn't matter the music. It doesn't matter the mission trips. All those things are great. But it's whatever God has planned for Eastwood Baptist Church. It's what we need to focus on. Whatever that is. Whatever that is. Uh, Tonight I want to I read a poem to you that I think, I think really kind of fits this thing quite well. And it kind of goes along with everything we talked about tonight. But it's called Life's Daily Doses. Life's Daily Doses. It's written by a, by a Christian poet, a lady by the name of Lenora McWhorter. And, and, and I encourage you to look up some of her works because I think they're, they're really kind of insightful, kind of one of those poets you could put music to. You know, I think, I think quite, quite well. She says, Life is measured in daily doses of trials and pleasures each. Day by day, grace is dispensed to meet our immediate needs. Comfort comes to the weary, we find that when we seek. A bridge is built at the river, and power is given to the weak. One day's load we have to bear as we travel on life's way. Wisdom is given for the occasion, and strength to equal each day. We are never required to stagger under tomorrow's heavy load. We journey one day at a time as we travel 
life's rugged road. God's mercy is new every morning, and His faithfulness is sure. God perfects all that concerns us, and by faith we will endure. That's where we're at. By faith we will endure this trial. By faith we will pursue, we will seek those things that God has planned for Eastwood Baptist Church. And, and getting down to our personal life, maybe you've got something going on. Maybe you're facing a stressful situation. Maybe you've got a challenge in life. That's just as applicable to you today as it is to our church life today. When you lay it at His feet, when you lay it at His feet, he says, lay our every burden, lay our every burden at his feet. He says, he'll give us provision. He'll provide. He'll give us what we need. And that we have to have hope in the Lord. Hope. Hope in the Lord. What a great promise. What a great promise. So as the musicians come forward, as Ed comes forward, I'd ask you to seek out your life tonight. Where are you at? What's, what's going on in your life that, that maybe these words might cue you to realize that we have to pursue those things that God desires for us? I know as Eastwood Baptist Church, we've got to do that. We've got to seek out What's God's plan for us? So most importantly tonight, my prayer is that as Christians, we wouldn't be like those fainting goats. That we would stand strong. That we would find confidence and hope in the passion that God has for us in this church tonight. And most importantly, I would hope that you might take life's daily doses as God richly rewards and blesses us. Let us pray. Our most gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for tonight. Lord, your word just tells us and it, and it, and it reminds us so much that, Lord, we, we miss the mark so often. And Lord, we fall short. But you love us and you provide for us. And you make a way. Your provision is adequate, Father. It's more than adequate. Father, if we just hope in you and trust in you and love you, Father, and we seek your will, Lord, we love you and we praise your holy name, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and